Well, what's up, guys? I'm Tyler Hosley, and instead of my usual introduction, I'm going to ask our listeners a question, all three of them, Bruce, Harry, my father, and maybe the guy that angry reacts Kevin's post every once in a while. Um, <laughs> is Scream, the 1996 Wes Craven film written by Kevin Williamson, a satire, yes or no? Answers below our episode drop on Saturday. I'm Kevin Matthews, a Scottish film fan living in England, and this week I have resigned myself to the fact that we are one of the few podcasts in existence that can pit Jacques Tati against Larry Clark and have Jacques Tati not get an overwhelming victory. At least we own, like, at least we're very happy being there. We own it. We can't show our faces certain places but like you know we are us yay us uh, i'm dave gray and this week i learned uh I, like i not nothing good i got uh i got the hallmark app for uh holiday movies to make people in my house happy and uh you remember a couple I think it was last year, they half of the Hallmark people split off to do GAC, Great American Country, because they thought there were too many minorities and gay people in Hallmark movies. So I was going through, I was going through the front page. You know how long I had to go to find not white people? How long? Like, out of the first 20 movies listed, one was about a not- uh, an African-American couple. One was about an Asian couple. One white couple had African-American best friends. So out of 20 movies, three had people that weren't blonde on the cover. I'm just, I'm just saying if that ratio is too much for you, you need to ask yourself some questions. Because cause the issue is not with the fucking content, guys. And this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yay! Yay! So, um, I didn't watch much. I did watch a couple uh, Hallmark mystery films. Uh, my niece has become a fan of... The Aurora Tea Garden prequels, uh, and she watched the the main ones. And the main ones have one of the the folks who left Hallmark for Gak, uh, Kirk Cameron's sister. Uh, and the weird thing about those is how everybody talks about how pretty Kirk Cameron's sisters when her friend is um uh ugh, crap I'm brain Alexis um. Oh, the, the 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 aunt in the first season of Chucky. I see her face. I am totally brain for it. Alexa Doig, who is Alexa Doig, who is gorgeous. This woman is jaw droppingly beautiful, and everyone acts like she's like the goofy friend when compared to DJ Tanner. And like I I don't know. Maybe there's something in the air in Canada that makes people kind of like face blind if you're not blonde. Because, like, nothing in that world makes sense. We followed it up with one of the Josie Sweeten mysteries, which takes place in Baltimore. 
And that kind of blew my mind because, again, it's it's obviously Canada. The Jane mysteries, the lost inheritance. And Canada and Baltimore just do not look that much alike. And that gives me a... That gives me a twi- uh, X-Files flashbacks where X-Files was always supposed to take place around where I live, but they only filmed in Toronto. So they go places I know, but instead of looking like that place, it was like a footbridge in Toronto. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. But uh, the, the Jade Mysteries was cute. There was a lost inheritance. Josie Sweeten sang. It was better than, you know, the other ones where they pretend Lexa Doig wasn't gorgeous, which I, I I don't know. I don't believe that you can solve crimes and not see that. Maybe that's me. And that's me. I have been doing pretty good with the noirs. Um, it's, it's been a good start to November. I don't think I, I mentioned the killer yet. That was last week, did I? I think I no. mentioned it in chat. Um, I really like the killer. David Fincher's new movie dropped on Netflix. Had a limited cinema release that I didn't see, but dropped on Netflix. I really liked it. Um, I can see why people think it's a, a vapid and empty film and uh, don't like it. I can see people, uh, you know, find that boring. It's not one I would hastily recommend to many people, but I actually found it a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be, and I ended up really enjoying it for for that aspect. Um, I I did go into it thinking it was going to be something else. I had no knowledge of the source material. Um, I I just assumed, you know, you you have the title you. You may have seen the trailer, Fastbender in that main role. I I do think it's it's deliberately very funny and in, in ways that just it's the way they're juxtaposing the constant uh, voiceover narration from the central character and his actions. I think is where a lot of the comedy comes from. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think it makes an interesting companion piece with. Um, with Fight Club, actually. Oh, for... I thought I thought you were going to say Gunpowder Milkshake for a second. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do that. Um, there, there are some, you know, there, there are some fun parallels and then divergences between this and Fight Club, and just just looking at it as two films from Fincher with similarities that are made uh, at very different times and in very different styles. So, I really recommend it. I've seen it be pretty polarizing uh but good stuff and other news i finally checked odds against tomorrow off the list you will know that's a good day dave you've seen that one right oh yeah i i thought you were saying that it is like taking for as red i'm sorry well yeah i thought that was Um, a statement not a question and you know Harry Belafonte being great in that, uh, Robert Ryan's in a lead role. It was good. My problem was I watched it either the same day or with only one day in between. I watched the Asphalt Jungle, and I started to already blur the two in my mind. So I had to keep reminding myself of which one is which. 
Odds Against Tomorrow has the robbery where they end up needing Harry Belafonte's character to get in as the food delivery guy. And the Asphalt Jungle is the uh, dual robbery uh, crime that has them uh, wary of authorities and also wary of people who might uh, turn on them to make more money from a deal. Uh, but the Asphalt Jungle was really good as well. Uh, Sterling Hayden's in a main role in that one. And uh, there's a small role for Marilyn Monroe. There's a lot of great people for the cast. I loved it. I'm assuming you've seen that one as well, Dave, because I'm way behind the times on that one. Yes. Yeah. Um, T, have you seen any of those classic noirs? I have not. No. I can't, I can't remember if you sort of watch many film noirs. I know you like some sort of sleazy, grimy neo-noirs, and uh, you, you like Bound, don't you? I love Bound. I haven't yeah. seen a lot of the classic ones. I have seen a lot of the neo-noirs, though. I love neo-noir. i got to brush up on some of the old stuff. I know. If, you, if you're working backwards through cinema, then you've just stuck in the erotic thrillers of the 90s and 2000s and I'm trying to watch Asphalt Jungle and you're back on Wild Things 4 or something. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Wild yeah. Things 4 them. Con- Concrete Jungle's been on my list of eventual picks for a long time. Let's pick yeah, up in I'm- South Street and what uh, across 6th Street. There's just a bunch of those I haven't gotten to yet. They're coming. Well, there's so many that, you know, when these conversations come up, particularly at this time of year, I'm like, oh, yeah, that one's on the list, this one's on the list. Or there can be a lot of, obviously, crossover with the content and the characters. So I sometimes think, oh, I've already seen that one, when I actually actually haven't. Um, So it's good to just keep marking them off the list. I also watched uh, Dark Passage, uh, Bogart. Bacall movie that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to be formulating my my full thoughts on that one because these all go on the the blog hopefully for November. And I watched Drive a Crooked Road, which is a lesser noir with Mickey Rooney as a, a mechanic slash driver who's hoodwinked into a job, but that also has a good role for Kevin McCarthy. Is it? It is Kevin McCarthy, right? I don't just want to give him my own name. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, and and that's it. A whole load of noir, and that's me. I did a couple rewatches of some Larry Clark films. Bully, which is one of my top three favorite films of all time. You can hear me gush about that on our Youth Gone Bad episode many moons ago. And I watched Ken Park, which I also love dearly, which we also covered on here. A long time ago as well um but besides those i watched a couple die hard movies this week guys i watched live free or die hard which i actually really enjoy it's nowhere near as good as any of the original three but i think it's a a fun action film and bruce willis actually felt like he was playing john mcclain in it which i can't say the same for a good day to die hard which i also watched and that doesn't feel like a die hard film at all Um, The whole movie screams mediocrity. Uh, The villains are by far the worst of the franchise. I couldn't even tell you what the villain's name of the fucking movie. They were just that mediocre. Um, The Willis's only lines of dialogue consist of him screaming, saying he's on vacation for half the fucking movie, which got old within 10 minutes. I like Bruce Willis. I even like Bruce Willis in some of his, his direct video roles, but 
he's terrible in this movie. Uh, John Moore is just a complete fucking hack. And I just, I, yeah, I really don't like this movie at all. The highway chase is pretty well done for the most part, even though like McLean causes like massive amounts of collateral damage in that one sequence, but it looks cool. But that is the only good scene about that entire movie. It's a it's a bad movie and it's a bad diehard movie. It makes Live Free or Die Hard look like a fucking masterpiece. And um that's me. Uh, yeah, McLean. You know, actually to to be fair to the Die Hard series, except in two, his uh body count stays pretty similar throughout all the others. True. Like I, I think he kills like thirty people in two, but it's I think it's thirteen in all the others. It might only be ten in the first one. I need to double check that. This week we watched the nineteen sixty seven Modern Life satire by Jacques Tati, Playtime, and the who twenty fourteen French drama film by Larry Clark, The Smell of Us. Well, I just, I don't even, I'm going to be nice. We're going to start with playtime because I really don't want to hear how Tyler will describe this movie. Uh, (laughs) A futuristic hyper-consumerist Paris is visited by a young American named Barbara and Jacques Tati's befuddled Frenchman, Monsieur... Hulay. I said that terribly. I am so sorry for butchering that. Uh, M. Hul was played by Tati in three other films, and it covers everything from arriving to the airport, office life, apartments, and uh, going out and about. There's a bit of a little germ of what would become the last Imhul film traffic at the very end of this picture. So that was interesting. Um, Barbara wants to see the real Paris that we all see in our heads, the Eiffel Tower, the little cafes. And instead she's ushered along in a tour group that sees a trade exhibition and a restaurant. Meanwhile, Imhul has uh, an appointment to see a business partner. Tragically, everything in the world conspires to keep them apart, including old army buddies. Uh, Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about playtime because it is widely considered Shoktati's masterpiece. It is brilliant. It is incredibly well made. The set uh, which was all those buildings are built for this movie. Uh, they called it Tativil. It's brilliant and wonderful and amazing. And uh, Tyler probably, you know, is going to say things that make us all sad. But yeah, parts of this is are amazing. It's one of the best, most spot on satires of the modern existence to ever be filmed. Um, some of these sequences are just, just amazing. Uh, M. Hewer going through the office building with the cubicles and cubicles have become even more terrifying and depersonalized. 
the 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 apartment sequence with the four apartments that is just that is just it's just like there's staggering amounts of comic genius on display and they got it to work and it's there's no dialogue and it's perfect you know everything that's happening it's it's just it's so good it's so brilliant and then the restaurant the the it, it's it's just it's mind blowing and hilarious and then it doesn't end and it keeps going and you lose all uh, hope and find nothing but despair and ennui as the restaurant falls apart but the joke's been played out but it still goes for 20 more minutes and then it turns around and it's great again so you know I'm a fan uh, I'm a big fan of Jacques Tati's films I really love Mon Uncle and Traffic is absolutely brilliant also uh, I don't think any of them are perfect I think they all have their issues. And oh, and Los Vacations du Imhule is excellent. Also, uh, just like, dude was brilliant. I mean, you know, I, I'm not big on calling people the next or the follow up or the response to, but he is, uh, you know, he's a French version of a lot of uh, American silent actor comedians and his his use of film as as a language and in imagery is nearly unrivaled it's it's brilliant and when it works it is hilarious it it does drag a bit it is a little self-indulgent in the last half of the movie i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie though uh i still think everybody should rush out and see it so I, I'm trying to be as upbeat and optimistic as I can before Tyler makes everyone sad. Anyway, I, I adore it. I love the the visual style, especially uh, how it slowly gives way into color. And it's very slow because the airport is only um, black, white, and gray. Then you start getting light blues in service workers. And it just slowly, it slowly gets more colorful in nearly imperceptively until the, the restaurant scene when there's, you know, a bright red and a bright green and it, and, and then after that, it's just, it's just gorgeous. I, yeah, I, I love this film. I hadn't seen it in like 20 years. I hope I don't go that long before seeing it again. It's, it's excellent. Oh boy. Um, I'm going to be super nice here at the beginning of this really short review that I'm about to say, because for some reason, and that's cool. It, this movie is loved by most of the film loving population. Technically this movie is pretty special. It's beautifully shot, has a gorgeous production and sound design. And I totally think you would benefit greatly by watching this on the largest screen possible. I respect the sheer craftsmanship that went into the filmmaking of this movie and its critique of modernism and modern life. Uh, I've never seen a film from Jacques Tati until yesterday evening. This is the first time I've ever seen one of his films. I kind of fucking hated this movie, but not like I hated this movie in a bad movie kind of hate. It's not a bad movie, not in the slightest. Um, for me, it's a monotonous chore to get through. I realize that I'm 
probably going to be in the smallest minority possible here, but I can't remember the last time a movie tested my patience as much as this did. I found none of that Mr. Magoo style comedy funny at all. Uh, the humor must have just completely went over my head. But like I said, every fucking episode, we cover something that has comedic elements in it. Comedy is subjective, and I get that. Uh, I don't. I hate the slapstick bits. Kind of felt like a precursor to Mr. Bean, who I also hate. It. It really doesn't have a point of view character, which is the point of the movie. Yes, and normally I don't mind that, but there was just nothing for me to really grasp onto here. This is going to be a really off the wall reference here, but watching this movie was kind of like watching the rabid people in Inland Empire. It's a sterile, prolonged series of sight gags that just won't fucking end. I honestly don't have much else to say. I, I, I really didn't like this movie at all. I respect it. It's a technical marvel, sure. But it's also a two-hour exercise in tedium. I just, it's not for me, guys. Just, yeah, not for me. You know, I'm, I'm going to be, like, really fair to you right now. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that viewpoint. And I I will say I think you would like uh, my uncle and traffic far more because they do have a point of view character. There are more focused narratives. Mm-hmm. And I don't need a, I don't need a point of view character or like a, a full blown narrative to get invested into a movie. I, I need some kind of character, just just something, just a little something to grasp onto for me to really fully invest myself into a, a movie like this. Like I said, it is a technical marvel, and I appreciate it on that level. It's just the movie wasn't for me on a whole, and I, I try to be as nice as possible there. <laughs> I really did. Well, it comes as no surprise to find out that I really like this. I've had a Jacques Tati box set for a while now and um, been meaning to break into it. And I heard that Playtime was his best film. What I will say is, it's it's an odd one. <laughs> um, there are moments here that are, um, you know, a bit a bit testing, uh, especially when you're basically just going in and out of different uh, crowds, different pockets of the characters that go around. But like, I think when this is on top form. This is amazing. I was laughing within seconds with the moving wimples on the um, on the nuns as they went by. Like that's a little visual thing that just had me laughing immediately. No, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not. Uh, I'm not pretending. I laughed harder than I did this gag. I was already laughing at that. Then it settles down. It's a bit sort of sedate. You've got this whole uh, airport sequence. Um, and a lot of the film goes like that. It's, it's got that many gags through it that are really inventive and wonderful. And then it settles down. But I think the, like the top gags here are, are like on a par with the very best of comedy whether it's people moving on a bus while somebody moves a window up and down as if they're sort of on a rocky boat, um, whether it's the <laughs> the light above a, is it a priest's head or something that makes them look like an angel, uh, the the seats, the thing with the noisy seats as uh, Monsieur Julio is waiting to be seen by someone and 
like frankly the ongoing door handle gag is priceless uh, once that glass door is shattered and the guy just keeps using the handle taking someone's jacket through the space of the door and going on um yeah i was like this is this is absolutely brilliant for me it's not a perfect film and although you really liked a lot of the apartment section dave i didn't see as much there so i do want to uh, rewatch it because I, I think a part of the problem with it is you're not always um specifically guided to like a center of the screen or something that's moving to the left uh, you know following i mean gag there are things happening all over almost all the time and i appreciate that and i loved it but that did also make it uh, quite difficult to to take in everything and and fully appreciate everything as it was playing out because I think um, I think a second viewing would allow me to be more used to the the overly free flowing nature of it uh, even the fact that for a lot of the time we're not with you know who we think of as the main character but I, I'm glad I finally did it and I knew Tyler would upset me. <laughs> honestly honestly i think my uncle's a better movie i mean just (laughs) overall i know a lot of folks go oh playtime is the best and as a technical work it's a it's staggering yeah i i just think my uncle is just overall the better more complete work i'll uh i'll bear that in mind uh, so I mean that's that's all I have to say about that. I'm sure books have been written about Tati, and uh, my only experience was a kind of homage to him in the Illusionist, the Sylvain Chaumet animation. I think that was uh, based on so it, a, either a tale of uh, Tati or uh, certainly some, something that was an inspirational anecdote from him. Uh, so that's a really nice film. Just a, a side recommend and then Tyler went and um, rained on my parade with a shower of piss and called it The Smell of Us which is a Larry Clark film described on IMDb as a story centred around a group of self-destructive skateboarders in Paris which is correct um also co-written by Larry Clark with Matt, Matthew Landy. This is, um, I mean, look, we've seen, we've seen other Larry Clark movies, and this is very much in line with his stuff. There's a, a main character called Math, played by Lucas Ionesco, or Ionesco, and uh, he's the the person we're with most, he um, allows himself to be basically gay for pay, in quotation marks, uh, which is unfortunate for his friend JP, played by Hugo Biathenias, who uh, has an attraction to math and is is probably hoping that um, with math's uh, lifestyle choices and his sort of free and easy approach to sex something might happen so there's that there there are different relationships that uh, these 
young lads have with uh, with older women as well, uh, being sort of young escorts and, and having those interactions. That's it. It all plays out. There's some skateboard tricks. The end. Uh, what I will say is, you know, I didn't like this. I I didn't want to just be an episode where I'm giving all my love to Jacques Tati and then lumping a load of hatred on uh, Larry Clark and vice versa if Tyler hated Jacques Tati. Uh, there, there were little moments in this uh, that I liked and they were mainly the scenes with the older women and the, the young boys. Some of them were still a bit um, sort of, I don't know, I, not it's not to do with uh, the the tone or in, intent. Oh, maybe it's intent. Some some of them didn't quite uh, or have the focus that it needed. But there was uh, one one or two moments that had the older women kind of addressing the the boys in a way that was quite um, quite interesting in terms of how older women are viewed, how sex is viewed as people get older, and you know that that mix between the, the youth and the, the elderly. And I did like a couple of those moments. The rest, I pretty much hated. Um, yeah, I didn't think I was going to let us. And then I didn't like it. So that was that. Sorry, T. What Kevin forgets is the one that is with the older woman is a third guy whose name I don't know. I don't even think they told us his name. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't forget there was a third yeah. guy. I just, uh, I just meant that no. uh, math is usually doing the, is going with the men. Yeah, he's uh, only with uh, men. I think, and yeah. The other one, do we see him with a client? No. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's the third one that we see with the, the older woman. Yeah. And everything she says is just absolute nonsense. Like, maybe they're going for something, but, like, that whole story about her fucking husband. They should just call this filler the movie. Um, I'm I, I'm sorry, were you done? I just assumed and just went. Yeah, I was done. Okay. They should just call this filler the movie. Nothing happens. There's no story. There's no characters. There's no plot. It is just uh, young men that Larry Clark wants to masturbate to and one girl that he also wants to masturbate too. Uh, you know, we watch one have, you know, some male clients and okay, that's fine, but nothing interesting comes of any of it. Like, I don't understand why anyone is paying this kid half of what they're fucking paying him. You can find, you know, more willing, more active participants for a quarter of what they are giving him huge stacks of francs not like you know not like he's not getting paid like a little he's making thousands thousands for these encounters which i it just doesn't make sense to me like this is the worst rent boy in the world at one point i was hoping he was dead because there's a client slapping him saying wake up and he doesn't even blink and it's like well if he's dead maybe something interesting will happen but nothing interesting happened. This movie did what all Larry Clark films do, which is just indulge his fe- 
fetishes and refuse to do anything interesting. It refuses to treat these characters as characters because they're not. They are literally just there to get fucked so Larry Clark can get off. It's like Larry Clark movies aren't like watching a story unfold. They're like watching an addict where he is compelled to make these images, but he doesn't feel anything from it anymore. It's more sad and pathetic than anything. Uh, I, it, it's not even well shot. It, it, like you made kids 30 years before this, Larry do something different. Well, I, 20 years, let's be fair. 20 years before this, but it's, it's not the only difference between this movie and every other fucking Larry Clark movie is these kids can actually skateboard. There's a couple shots of somebody doing tricks and not just carrying them. I guess that's something. Only took you 20 fucking years to find a single fucking skateboarder. Good job, Larry. There's like three musical scenes that mean nothing. We just, we're stuck having to listen to Larry. On CD for six minutes. Why the fuck are we watching this? What does this mean? Nothing. We had to watch a man suck someone's toes and call his uh, companion my little man for six minutes. Why? It doesn't mean anything. Nothing in this movie means anything. And they're not even good imagery. It's not well shot. It's not well lit. It is just, I get it. You, you had a camera and young kids needed a payday. So you filmed a Larry Clark movie, Larry. It's, it's, this is less than nothing. Thank God it was only in like an what is it, an hour and twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and still more than half of it is filler. This isn't even a short film's worth of events. T, I know you love these movies, but man, I don't like I how you felt about playtime is how I felt watching this, except. I can't even feel good about the craftsmanship behind it because it's non-existent. Like who? What the girl? The girl? Did she have a name? I don't know. Did the kid with the camera have a name? I don't know. Did the third one have a name? I don't know. Why the fuck did they call that one dude Pac-Man? And why was his mom trying to fuck him so hard? I don't know. It just is because, like a dead-eyed addict, Larry Clark thought that would give him a boner, and it probably did. So I guess good for you, Larry. I'm glad one of us got some arousal out of these scenes because it sure as fuck wasn't me. The female's name was Marie and the the kid recording all the stuff was his name was Toph. Uh, who's um, Pac-Man? Pac-Man is the bully. The asshole kid that gave the uh, bouncer a used condom to get into the bar. Okay. I see. All right. I, but wait, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Okay, never mind. Michael okay. Pitt was a, Michael Pitt was a street musician. Yes. Yeah. How does Michael Pitt burn his bridges with everyone else but he comes running when Larry Clark calls him? Maybe he's just a good friend of Larry since bully. He, he's only been in like two Larry Clark movies though. I mean, I think. Yeah, only two. Um Okay. I know you guys are going to disagree with me, 
super hardcore on this movie <laughs> because I knew you guys wouldn't like this movie. I mean, I knew it. But uh, as you guys already know, Larry Clark is one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, and we're so close to finishing his filmography on this show, so I picked it. Only got two movies left, guys. What's Up Rockers and Marfa Girl 2. So, not this year. I won't pick anymore, but maybe next year, 2024. Uh, fun fact. This was one of John Waters' favorite films of 2014. Uh, John Waters being another one of my favorite filmmakers, a uh, man who I love dearly. I thought that was a pretty awesome little fact. Um, I think this movie is great. It's definitely a redux of kids set in France. Just switch out AIDS with prostitution and you get the smell of us. It's everything Clark has made since his photography book, Tulsa, dropped in 1971. Take that and all the films he's made since kids, crank it up to 10, and here we are. There's sex, there's drugs, there's skateboarding, there's some punk rock. Everybody's really fucking sweaty. I'd almost call this Larry Clark's magnum opus in many ways. It's the ultimate Larry Clark film. Uh, I actually really liked our two lead characters here, Math and JP, both of which who are obviously in love with each other, uh, which is actually kind of a theme in a lot of Clark's work, like in Bully, when Bobby was in love with Marty. Um, but that's not hinted at here. It's front and center, especially with the character of JP. He's hardcore in love with math. Uh, we're never really entirely sure if math feels the same way, even though I personally think he does as well. He says in the film he's gay for pay, but I just, I don't believe it. I think the fact that he throws up on himself when his friend kisses him might be more telling than you're letting it be. I don't know. I just, I like when, you know, when they're laying in the bed together and they're looking at the laptops and I just, I, I don't know. I got different vibes, but maybe that's just me. Uh, math is a character that's totally dead to the world and it's shown through his performance. Uh, it's a one note performance, but I think it's purposely one note. He was written that way, obviously. And I think he's actually really good in the part. It's kind of a heartbreaking performance too. Like, his life is meaningless and empty to the point that he's just self-destructive, jump self-destructive, jumping from client to client. And you can see the pain through his eyes in every sequence. But that scene in the club with Bob Dylan's ring them bells is fucking amazing. I love that scene. Um, that final scene with Math and his mother might be one of the most disturbing scenes of any movie I've ever picked for this show. It's fucking gut-wrenching to watch his mother just fucking want to fuck him so bad. Um I love the intercut skateboarding scenes. I really love the soundtrack, too. I just I really love the soundtrack. It has a really grimy atmosphere like most of Clark's films do. It's very French. It doesn't ha really have a conclusion. And I think that's the point of the film. JP's character is the only character that has a conclusion. And I'm trying not to spoil it. It's a very permanent conclusion. Um, like kids. I mean, Clark just drops you into the world of nihilistic teenage skateboarders just in a modern French setting with cell phones and Internet. It just it makes a great companion piece to kids. It won't be for everybody. But if you're a fan of Larry Clark's work like I am, check it out. I am a big fan of The Smell of Us. And one thing I learned from this movie, if pimping yourself out gets you enough money to buy Supreme hoodies, I may start rethinking my own profession. Just saying, because those fucking hoodies are like $300 a piece. Dude. So... Dude, yeah, those, I, love I don't know how those guys didn't have a like a pimp or a manager better than themselves because there's no way they negotiated those prices. None. 
<laughs> those prices were insane. But like I said, if pimping yourself out in France can buy me Supreme hoodies, I'm going to go do it because I love Supreme. But that shit's expensive. Their hoodies are like $300 and their T-shirts are like 150 It's crazy. But Supreme is awesome. It's an awesome brand. And um, But yeah, I'm a big fan of the smell of us. But I think you have to be a fan of Larry Clark's work to like it. So I get it. I just, I'm a fan. It's time to pick one, T. The smell of us. Yep. Kevin? It's playtime. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Tyler. That's all right. I have to be on Kevin's side for this. All good. But next week, uh, we're bringing our November to a close with our feel-good movie special. Tyler chose... Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Kevin's choosing... Mouse Hunt from 1997. The Gore Vermeer movie? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that since I was like eight years old. Yeah, I'm I'm going with uh, The Princess Bride. We're on Instagram, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. We're on Facebook where I sometimes remember to post stuff on Wednesday. We have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, and comment and watch Kevin's totally awesome videos weekly. And you can always email us at RaidersOfThePodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.